Good morning, beloved at New Hope Chapel. I'm Bill Smith, and I'm one of the members of the teaching team. About, though, just over 37 years ago, I set off to my first assignment as an officer in the United States Air Force, and I arrived at my duty station in Las Vegas, Nevada, Nellis Air Force Base, home of the fighter pilot, as they say. And for a few days there, I was getting oriented, and then Sunday came, and I attended the worship service at the base chapel. I had been a Christian for about two years. The choir was already singing a call to worship when I walked in, and as I scanned the choir, there was this beautiful young angel, a young girl there singing with glee, and I wondered if everyone else could see her because I was sure she was an angel. So after the service, I went up to the choir director to introduce myself and to offer my services as a trumpet player. And just when I did that, the choir director got all excited and she shouted to one of the young people leaving the chapel to go change. She said, Beth, come here. I want you to meet somebody. And guess who turned around and came back? It was that beautiful angel. So this was the choir director's daughter. So definitely now I am going to be joining this choir just so I could get close to her. And I put my best efforts in to get near to this girl. And eventually we started going out on uh, dates, really with youth groups and so on. And we began to get closer and things were going great. At least I thought they were going great. And then all of a sudden she called it off. Driving away that evening, being new and having no friends or family there, I was basically living in the desert and I was alone. I still remember driving home that evening. I remember it as though it was yesterday. You'll need to stay with me to find out what happened on that drive home. Because today we're starting a three-part series on loneliness. We're going to be looking at why God said it's not good for us to be alone and how we might take advantage of those times when we must be alone. I'll be speaking, of course, today, and Joanne will speak next week. And then maybe we'll both speak the following Sunday if we can figure out the technological challenge to do that. Loneliness is defined in the dictionary as a state of sadness or depression resulting from being alone. Loneliness is an emotion. Being alone is a condition. So we're going to look at this topic in the scriptures. Of course, we know that Adam was initially alone, but we don't know if he was immediately experiencing loneliness. We might conclude that he started feeling lonely after all the other living creatures were brought to him to name them. So why did God bring the animals to Adam to name them? Let's keep that question on the front of our minds for a moment. In Genesis 2.19 we read, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. No suitable helper. To help him do what? To make his dinner, wash his clothes, keep the garden clean? I don't think that's what the scripture is saying there. Possibly when all was said and done, Adam began to feel lonely and standing there in the middle of paradise with no one else but himself, 
he started to maybe feel lonely. He didn't have anyone corresponding to him who could create with him the kind of community for which he'd been designed. There was no one like him that could do the same kind of work. So I would like to suggest that the creation of Eve was not to explain or set up the role of woman in relationship to man, but rather of her relationship to creation. Remember in Genesis 1.26 we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. They were given a role to rule over the earth. They had work to do. Let's grasp that now. What was God saying? It was not good for Adam to be alone or was he saying it was not good for people to be alone? The traditional view is that this section explains why women were created to support and comfort men. I don't think that's what that's saying. In fact, I think there's another even more important why God said it was not good. We could ask, wasn't God's presence good enough? Or does this verse point to an essential aspect of how and why man was created? So a key insight here is, God was talking to someone else when he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So prior to creating mankind, God was not alone. And we see this claim in the words of Jesus when he said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. This statement very much irritated the Jews who then picked up stones to kill him. From their perspective, he was committing blasphemy equating to have existed before creation and therefore claiming to be God. We can read in many other places the claim Jesus existed with the Father before creation. For example, in 1 Corinthians 8, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came, and for whom we live. But there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came, and through whom we live. Also in John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made that has been made. And also in Colossians 1.16, For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Not only was Jesus with the Father before the creation of Adam, we have evidence a third person was also present, whom we call Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In Proverbs 8, we read about wisdom, whom most biblical scholars equate to the Holy Spirit. And wisdom makes a claim to have been present at creation, and therefore existed 
before creation. Wisdom says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. And there are many other places where we can read that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit were present with God before creation and were an active part of creation. God was not alone. So, creating mankind in their image, it stands the reason that in order to reflect the image of God, man would need others to participate in reflecting the image and likeness of God who is triune. Remember, God created them, Adam and Eve, or mankind, to rule over the earth, to continue participating in the creation process God started. God was also making himself known through his creation. So let's go get that previous idea I asked you to keep in the front of your mind. Remember, they had a role to rule. They also had another role related to that first role, and that was to reflect the image of God, to make God known. We saw this two weeks ago when we talked about Moses instructing Israel to obey the Sabbath as they began building the tabernacle, something that was never done before, to take a day off to reflect and make God known. God wants to be known, not because he's lonely, but because we benefit from knowing him. And we also benefit from being with and being known by others. In a social research project done by Chiapo and Patrick, reported out in the book Loneliness, Human Nature and the Need for Social Connection. It, said, it says, we studied the way human beings function socially and the impact the social world has on brain functioning. Loneliness, the study showed, could significantly increase the risk of death from stroke and heart disease. Loneliness might be the most important soci issue society has to deal with. Loneliness generates a threat response, the same as pain, thirst, hunger, or fear. Being connected to others in a positive way, feeling a sense of relatedness, is a basic need for human beings, similar to eating and drinking. And this is a particularly devastating impact that the COVID virus had on those who are already living in homes by themselves in their old age, all of a sudden no family could visit them. And my wife Beth, an RN, has, has reported to me she could see the impact physically on the patients who are no longer allowed to have family around them. But it's nice that the scientists confirm what the Bible already tells us. Yet it is interesting to see how far-reaching the impact is that loneliness can have related to brain functioning and even our physical health. You know, it's no wonder that when we find out about someone who decided to become a hermit or started 
a hoarding, and they cut themselves off from society, and eventually they have mental health problems. They may have gone in with some mental health problems, but it becomes far worse over time as the brain begins to suffer because it literally cannot develop properly without other brains, so to speak, around it somewhere. So moving on from Adam, before the fall, we see sin wreaking havoc everywhere after the fall of mankind. The image and likeness of God is being tarnished everywhere, particularly in a town called Nineveh. The sin there was so great, the Lord tells Jonah to go there and preach against Nineveh. But Jonah free, flees from the Lord after he was commanded to preach against Nineveh. And you know the story. He boards a ship. A storm arises. The men throw Jonah overboard at his request. And he gets swallowed up by a great fish. And he prays for deliverance. And then he goes and does what he was told. And Nineveh repents and God's purpose is accomplished. Jonah is not happy. In fact, he's angry at God for being merciful because he was expecting God to bring destruction and instead God relented. Jonah felt this was wrong. And Jonah says to God, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, take it away. For it is better for me to die than to live. And then Jonah chooses to be alone in his anger. Have you ever gotten so angry and decided to separate yourself from others and then became so lonely you just wish the earth would swallow you up? And then God comes to Jonah in his loneliness and patiently teaches Jonah not to be so angry and therefore so lonely. I believe God comforted Jonah in part because Jonah was working with God, and he became angry when things didn't work out his way. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But he was working with God, and God comforted him. Another research project related to loneliness resulting from rejection found that increased social support also serves as a buffer against potential stresses by reducing reactivity to other threats. The greater levels of social support people said they had, the less sensitive they were to things like rejection. They seemed to be less stress responsive. They even produced less cortisol, which is a very powerful hormone that if we get too much of it running in our system, then we have all kinds of problems like weight gain for one, diabetes for another, and a host of other problems that can cause particularly a muddled mind. It affects our ability to think clearly. So with less stress, people with good social support have more resources for thinking, for planning, and regulating their emotions. Being by oneself does not mean we will also be lonely. There are some people who have had the experience of being in a crowd and yet felt lonely. And while there have been other people who have been alone by themselves but don't feel lonely. The famous Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung coined the terms extroversion and introversion. He was describing two different types of people who get energy in opposite ways. The extrovert 
person gets energy simply by being around other people, even if they don't interact with them. But when forced to be alone, they begin to lose their energy and then loneliness can set in. The COVID quarantine has been particularly hard on the extroverted types. The introverted types, on the other hand, get energy when they're alone. However, if they're forced to be alone for too long, they too will feel a sense of loneliness because they become overflowing with energy with no place to go to release that energy with others. So it's a different sense of loneliness. You know, we have made living a complicated process in so many ways. Everything is going faster, and because of technology, we're making more choices than ever before. You know, every time you turn on your phone, or you swipe on your phone, or you click on a website on your computer, you're making a choice. Making choices consumes brain energy. Researchers reported in Psychology Today that we're now making over 35,000 choices every day. That's why some of us long for simpler times, because there were fewer choices to make back then. When I was a kid, we had NBC, ABC, and CBS, and two UHF channels. And all of these stations went off the air at midnight playing the Star-Spangled Banner. We're always moving, creating to-do lists, managing projects, working on hobbies, preparing for retirement so we can enjoy life. And in the midst of all this activity, we can still feel empty and alone. It's like we're in some race and we don't want to fall behind. But life itself is not complicated. Living can be, but life need not be complicated. That's why God tells us in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And here I am, exalting my accomplishments, my achievements, my position in society, and my running the race. And I feel alone. If God said it's not good for man to be alone, then why did Jesus often go away to be alone? All three synoptic gospels make the same observation about Jesus. He often sought to be alone. We read in Matthew 14, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there, alone. In Mark first chapter, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke 5, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He was alone. But was he lonely? I don't think he was. He spent that time with his father. Jesus was never alone, except for one time. In Matthew 27, we read about Jesus alone on the cross, not by choice this time but by obedience. There we think he felt loneliness for the first time. After about three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Well, God had to turn his face away from his son. He couldn't look on the sin of the world. The Father's holiness could not allow that until the sin was dealt with. And Jesus did deal with it. The reason Jesus had to go through this experience is so he could identify with us completely. Before one says, Jesus doesn't know what I've been through, the opposite is more accurate. We don't really know the depth of loneliness and despair Jesus went through on the cross. What we do know is he did it for us. When we share with others that we are feeling lonely, it seems wrong for them to say they know how we feel because they really don't. What I typically say is, I can't imagine how you feel because I can't. But when we tell Jesus that we feel lonely, he has every right to say to us, I know exactly how you feel and more. And you know, that's why he'll never leave us. I believe that the reason Jesus will not leave us is because he experienced loneliness on, a, on the cross at a depth, a level of completeness that no one has ever or ever will experience. And he doesn't want us to have that experience. And that's why I believe he stays with us. So let's go back 38 years and go check in on this young man living in Las Vegas who's just been rejected by this beautiful angel and he's driving home alone. And as I drove away from her house, I was in the pit of despair. And like Jonah, I just wanted to be swallowed up. However, that feeling didn't last too long. As I drove along, I looked over at the passenger seat where she would normally sit. And then I had this clear sense that Jesus was sitting there next to me. And I was no longer lonely. And from that point, I don't remember the rest of the drive home. It was like I wasn't driving on the road, I was driving on air. I felt loved and accepted and reassured that things would be okay. I felt known. And it was not that I would get this girl back. That wasn't the sense. It was that whether I got her back or not wouldn't matter because I had Jesus. As you can probably guess, I was reunited with this girl about a week later and we married about a year later. But that's not the point of this story. The point of the story is this, Jesus wanted me to know and acknowledge that he would always be with me the rest of my life. He is the only one who can truly comfort me and reassure me. He is first and my wife is second. She knows this and she's happy about it. And the same is true for her. Jesus is first in her life and I am the second banana and I'll take that position any day. You see, you don't even need to be married to be known. The opposite of loneliness is being known. God wants to be known, and that's why we want to be known. Jesus knows you, and he is with you. And perhaps this is the greatest of the miracles. With Jesus in your life, then you can reflect 
the image and likeness of God to those around you all by yourself. And when two or more of us are gathered together, well, we're multiplying the image of God. The last thing Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. The last thing he said before he ascended to heaven was, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. For even when we are alone, we always have that option to seek comfort from Jesus. He's always right there with us. Even now, if you don't believe me, just close your eyes and ask. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you that even though we can be alone, we also can be known and that you will take away the loneliness simply with your presence. We thank you that you went through the experience for us so that you could keep from us the devastating despair that we would experience if we were completely and truly alone and separated from you. I pray, Father, you would make us ever aware of how close you are how deeply you abide within us and around us. Allow this to fill our hearts with joy, fill our hearts with love. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you, beloved.